0: I am unashamed. What about you? Yeah, I like to knock myself out one morning.
1: I, I fell asleep and hit the back of the pew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> neck injury while listening to the. To so the you preaching. fell
2: asleep and your Ain't head went forward, turn. and then your ca- head your ca- head went forward and you hit the back of the pew.
1: Yeah, I was like, you know. 13, 14 years old. And then I got in trouble. His mom was like, what are you making all that racket for? Well, it's his fault. I mean. Be more personable. <laughs> Tell more stories. Tell some fire here, you know. I mean, I slept good last night and still fell asleep. Hit my head. A big
2: contusion on my forehead. Well, see, you should have taken your sleeping cues at church from our grandpa because he would just sit there real still and he closed his eyes and, of course, he was out. Yeah. But then he would say he was just resting his eyes because it helped him listen better. Because I'd ask him, I said, Paul, you slept through the whole sermon. No, boy, don't make me thump your gourd. I didn't. I wasn't sleeping. I was just resting my eyes so I could hear better. <laughs> <laughs> That's what. So you should have took your cues from Paul. Well, maybe I should have. Instead of just falling forward. I was like,
1: a yeah, kid, Al. It's, it's hard
2: to keep. So so I mentioned, Jay's recently on the podcast, we hit – I forgot to mention it during the podcast. I didn't remember it till 7.01, but we passed the 700 Club uh, podcast because we have 700 now that we've released. And it was really ironic because I get home that day, and at some point later that day, I realized, because we were talking about Pat Robertson, that he had actually crossed over to the other side. Pat's a good old – he's a good friend of ours. Oh, yeah. We've done his show many times. And so I wanted to at least say a kudos to Pat Robertson and the guy was in his nineties. I mean, literally. I would the,
0: Robertson R O B E R T S O N. We're probably can.
2: Oh yeah, I think there's a lot of Robertsons out there, Phil. Well, I, I, yeah, but I mean, we all got to go back. That's my point. To the people that came across the first time. Oh, it, you know. You want to hear my latest argument with my lovely wife? Oh boy, yeah. So when we can I have her own to give her side later? Sure. Okay.
1: I will not embellish one <laughs> bit. <of this laughs> well, that'll be the first time that's ever happened. So when we got married, we just kind of, we were not in a hurry to have kids because we were pretty young when we got married. And so looked up one day and thank the Lord, you know, she's, she's pregnant. So then it got into this, well, what are we going to name him? And so I had it mapped out. I have probably shared this before. So since my name is Jason Silas, and I was named after your brother, Silas Merritt. Mm-hmm. was that is that all the Silas? Well, I
2: named. you know, we But won- then you named your son. Well, all that's named I was his headed. Son, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't a, know if that went he further. He hollered,
0: Mr. Cage fixing to give that baby what well, you want to call him. And I said, name him after you. I hollered from the bank, I was in a boat baiting a trot line. Up. I appreciate that. So
2: Now, there was one other one. Uh, one of Jimmy Frank's sons is has Silas as well. I think it's Matthew Silas. Okay. So to get to the story. Or maybe Matthew Merritt. To get
1: to the point. So I said, I got it. Because she had gone through all the names. And I said, no, nah, I got it. It's So just, she's like, oh, what is it? I was like, no, I mean, this is it. Just wait and I'll reveal it when he's born. She said, oh, huh, 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 no. No, I want to hear it now because I didn't realize she was wanting to approve it or disapprove. approve. <laughs> and so I said, all right, well, you know, I was raised on the mouth of Cypress Creek Road, and I'm named after my uncle Cy, Silas. I said, so let's name him Cypress Creek Robertson. Drop mic moment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that didn't go, go well, did it?
1: <laughs> Rage ensued. Oh, yeah. Because I, I held the line. I said, she's like, I'm not naming our son Creek. <laughs> I said, it's a it's an awesome name. It sounds like somebody from the old west. Yeah. I said, but we won't call him Cypress. She said, that's a tree. I said, but it's my favorite tree. And we'll call him Cy she's like, well, that's not even spelled right. And I'm like, that's what's cool about it. <laughs> he was one of the greatest pitchers, Cy Young, Cy ever. Young, that's good. Probably be an athlete. It just checked all the boxes. Slam dunk. But you couldn't push it through. <sighs> it was probably the worst argument we ever got into. So yesterday, which this will be aired later, but so I'm into the Road to Omaha baseball because LSU is good this year. And so we're watching Southern Miss play Tennessee in the Super Regional. There's a shortstop for Southern Miss. And my wife is watching it with me because she's into the LSU run too. So we're watching all the potential competition. Right. Guess what the name of the shortstop for Southern Miss, guess what his name is? Creek Robertson. Your, your I kid head. you not. So what happened was when I saw that, I said, look, see, that's what happens when you don't move on an idea. <laughs> Greatness is lost. And she said, that can't be right. I said, And then as soon as she said that can't be right, they put the banner up. <laughs> Creak. Robertson, I said, it's working for him, he's on the way to the major leagues. And from where southern Mississippi, you almost our had neighbor. it, neighbor, I said, you came that close right there. Yep, missed it. And so then she said, Do you realize, you know, how it gets? And her voice was kind of quivering, Do you realize how many times our son has thanked me for not listening to you and naming him
2: Creek Robertson? <laughs> missed opportunity. Could have been the big leagues, Jays. You were that close. Yeah. All it took was a cool name.
0: <laughs> I was so proud of that and somebody actually had the It same is remarkable idea. That, that that did happen. The dude's name is Creek Robertson. Now I'm I'm pulling for Southern Mistress for the <laughs> shorts. At least he's thing. probably kin to us down the line.
1: That's what I
2: think. Well that's cool, Creek. So I hope I get to meet you one day. Yeah. So we we stopped in Hattiesburg on the way home yesterday. And um, of course, this is all be later released when we release this one. But they were in a rain delay from their game, so it was really interesting because the restaurant we were eating in half of it were they were in Tennessee Orange because they were playing Tennessee in the Supers. Yeah, that's that's. And a, the other half was in Southern Miss because we were in you
1: probably were right by his family.
2: I probably right was. I probably ate dinner if I'd only known. And said, "Hey, has anybody got a Creek Robertson around here?" They would have known. This exactly.
1: is incredible. I could not believe it. Boy, it was quite the. It was quite the discussion,
2: but to our, to our, uh, we call them our lovingly call them our East Coast Virginia Robertson uh, cousins, even though we're not really related. Uh, we do express our condolences of a life well lived and a guy who reached a lot of people. So, thumbs up to Pat and his family. They're a great family. So, yep, uh, we love you guys. So, if anybody knows them, be sure and tell them. You ready to study? I'm ready to study. So we had, uh, I think we had Corey on the last podcast, and um, we got to Luke 6, but we really didn't get into the text because we spent so much time talking about everything else in the podcast that took well, us...
1: Well, we did in the overtime. Yes. And so we can do a little review of that because we're in,
2: We were we had just finished Luke chapter 5. Correct. So... And so we're into Luke 6, but these kind of tie together because we were kind of talking about it it's almost like luke kind of presents it in two little sets the first set was about the untouchables you know the people he was bringing into his into his presence and into a circle
1: well the last people you thought he'd be calling in his
2: new kingdom right and Maybe. as par, as part of that, they you, you started this kind of grumbling process, I would call it. Like it started with Matthew. I mean, you know, what, why does he eat with sinners? And so it started this process. And by the time we got to this question about fasting at the end of chapter five, and then we get to chapter six, and we're going to be talking about the Sabbath, we've created this little murmur group is what I would call it. And so now they're starting to like question everything. And by the time we get to this, it's even more so because they're like ready to do some kind of harm. So that's kind of the setting uh, I think for where we were at. So I wanted to back up Jason, talk well, a little bit about that.
1: Cause this is fixed to get deep. And I had for the first time in my spiritual journey, which has been pretty long at this point, I guess heading towards, uh, you know, 40 years. I I think I'm I think I'm wrapping my head around this. Hmm. I mean, he calls the last people you would think, so religious people. Instead of saying, "Oh, isn't this wonderful?" He's healing these people, and well, they're getting caught up on when he's healing. And you know, he's healed a guy with leprosy, and they're. Well, I mean, have we checked all the boxes on, according to the law on how this should be done? And
0: They forgot about the guy in, that had leprosy.
1: <laughs> you know, it just seems really insensitive, and it seems like oh, they've lost. Time. And so when we get to chapter 6, it's one thing to have an argument over what you could do on the Sabbath, which you got to remember, I mean, Jesus as saying, I am there is a God and I am him in human form would mean that when he makes the statement in verse five, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. It's another I am, I am statement that's inferred. Yeah. He's like, I wrote that. I was a part in creating the world. And so you remember where this all got started, it was based on a principle that remember when God created the earth and all the things in it and the heavens and the star in six days, and at each point He'd say, "This is good, this is good." So He's, he's satisfied. This is the order is is perfect. And then He created humans, and you remember He said, "This is very good." Well, then He rested. Well, he didn't. It's not the rest that we're, we all think. Because most people, when they talk about the Sabbath, it's all about putting your feet up on a couch somewhere. Yeah. But that, that's not the principle that was originally in the framework of how it unfolded during the creation. Would you agree with that? Correct. It was the satisfaction that there was order and everything was right. great. Well, then what messed it up? Sin. So what did God do? Well, he got back to work, which is what would produce Jesus who would become the ultimate rest because he restored order through his death on a cross, through the resurrection, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the
0: most religious people on earth didn't get that.
1: Well, Phil, I hate to tell you this. No, I mean, there's some that still don't get it.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what we talked about with Corey about how that people will take application, and we use the example of, well, now the new Sabbath, and I'm putting that in quotations because there is no new Sabbath. Paul talked about that in Colossians, right? New Sabbath days and all that. The The idea is we just have shifted our day from Saturday, which was a typical Jewish Sabbath, to Sunday. And so we used to say now there's things you can and can't do on Sunday. Just like we said, created there were things you can and can't
0: do on Saturday. Every it's it's a it's a keep the law mentality. That's the problem. We have the rules now, and you have to obey the rules. It's it's a sad state. Yeah, and it's again, it's because people
2: people would rather gravitate towards law dad because they feel certain comfort in that because you're telling me what I can and can't do, and therefore I know my limit. You know, I want to get as close to I can to the edge, right? But that's not exactly the way it was intended to be, to Jace's point, because Jesus took all that. Well, you remember when we studied
1: Hebrews and when we got to, which is all about how Jesus is superior. One of the things he's superior to is the old law, the old system, to angels, to fill in the blank. But one of the things he brought up was he was superior to Moses, and that's in chapter 3. And it says in 3 that he was found being uh, worthy of greater honor than Moses. And because just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. And so, and one of my favorite verses that follows, for every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And then it says, and we are his house. And so the reason I'm bringing this up is because then when he gets to chapter 4, he starts talking about a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Well, that's found in Jesus. That's his whole point. And I'll let you read it in your own time. You know, we we studied Hebrews. You can go back and find those, those texts. And so here you see the beginning stages of that transformation in Luke. Hang on, let's take a
2: break, Dave. I don't know if most of you realize this, most of the medications uh, that we take in our country are not made in this country. Uh, Most of them come from China, which means that they're susceptible to uh, embargoes or pandemics or supply chain issues. Uh, There's a lot of problems that can arise. In other words, that's scary. It's scary. That's right. (laughs) Especially when you think, you know, when I'm sick, I need some medication. Uh, Especially if it's something life-threatening, you need an antibiotic. So our friends at Jace Medical, and we've said this before, we feel like we need to say it every time. This is not our Jace. No. No. It's called Jace Medical, but it's not you, Jace. You don't have a medical. Nothing about medical procedures except eat an apple every day. (laughs) Well, there you go. There you go. (laughs) When Jace is on the case, that's it. But the folks, the folks at Jace Medical have what they call a Jace case, um, and it's five life-saving antibiotics that are used for emergencies. And so you can have this with you at all times. So just think about the practical application for this. If you were traveling into another country, maybe on a mission trip, if you live someplace super rural, which a lot of people do, listen to our podcast, it allows you to have these life-saving antibiotics on hand when you need them. And so, uh, basically, you can go online, fill out a simple online form, jump on a quick call sometimes uh, if you need to talk to one of their doctors. They handle everything else. They do the evaluation. They have a licensed pharmacy medication delivery system, and they have ongoing consultation if you need that. A small-town doctor that we talked to that started this company, go to jacemedical.com, enter the code UNASHAMED at checkout for a discount on your order. So that's unashamed at jasemedical.com. So here's
1: Jesus. He, he has a new kingdom that's going to be displayed. And so I think to wrap your head around this, you just think about it as it being a new administration. I mean, what happens? Even even if you just use the illustration as a new football coach, what happens? They fire the coach. Well, a new guy comes in. What's he start doing? He says, okay, things are going to be different. I know you used to do that. Changing
0: the rules.
1: Uh, we change in how this is set up. We change in the power to pull it off, and we're going to change the product as a result. When we change, you know, we're I have the power. This is the way we're going to do it. And so Jesus is like turning everything on its head that we think as human beings is what a successful kingdom is. That's why all the way to the end, and we saw this in Matthew and Mark and John, they're all thinking that he's fixing to physically, as king, destroy all other kingdoms in a physical war type. And they're putting all these pieces together. He has this power to heal diseases. He can create food out of thin air. Uh, he can motivate people. He's a revolutionary. He's he's hanging out in the mountains, which is what the, you know, it, it's this is where revolutions start out there somewhere. He has this propaganda that's, that's crazy, and we're going to rule the world. But they're thinking in a physical way.
0: We're going to rule the world with rules. All right. <laughs>
1: That's so these religious people, he's making them nervous because the first people he's he's hanging out with are not our kind of people. These aren't religious
0: people. See, you They're can't our... you can't rule the world without your particular set of rules. Well, uh, and your particular set of people. And yet, you 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 make them. <laughs> That's why we have twenty
1: five thousand different groups just in Christianity, not
0: counting all the other groups out you there. You remember, we're not quite there yet, but just a little further. And Jesus is going to start saying over and over and over, "We're going up to Jerusalem. The chief priests, the rule makers, the teachers of the law, rule makers." And they go, and it says, "And that's the group that that's going to kill me." Yeah, that's they're going right. to kill me exactly. And so you see the start. I mean, they're, they're doing this to the death of someone else. I agree. Will kill you if you don't obey
1: the rules. And we're seeing where this starts. So one Sabbath. You know He's going through the grain fields, and the disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels.
2: And before you leave that, Jess, let me read you this, because I looked this up from the last time we talked about it. It's interesting. They were basing their criticism on this, and it's called miscellaneous laws by whoever put this Bible together. But it just shows just some random thoughts in Deuteronomy. But listen to it. Here's the law of what God told them it was okay. And I want you to see where they took this. It says in Deuteronomy 23, 25, if you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hands, but you must not put a sickle to his standing grain. Yeah. So the, the purpose of that law was that if It'll you're- Satisfy
0: your hunger. Your yeah, hunger. if you're
2: walking along, you can grab some, but don't take your sickle out there and take his crop. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be stealing. You know, be like what you guys were doing as kids, right? If you saw a watermelon, you grab the waterman, you drag it watermelon. O-
0: drag it over the thicket, eat it, <laughs> and go get another one, drag it over the thicket. So and according we, to this law. We didn't want many. We just wanted a couple. The law of Moses said you were good to go. But... The people who planted those melons, by the way, sent word to us via mama and all. And they said, tell your kids they can have those melons. We've already harvested them. Right. That's just what we didn't harvest. Right. Just tell them to quit running and hiding when they got one. <laughs> you can eat right in the field. You're okay. Yeah. He did the
1: same thing and Washington. it. Remember we was duck hunting up there, and there was apple trees everywhere.
2: Everywhere. And uh, wow. so we would hunt,
1: and
0: it was just millions of apples. And it's like, well, they've already had the harvest. Tree ripe, late in the year, October up there. You duck seasons earlier. Yeah. But but we ran up on those apple trees. And well, we they just were just couldn't pass them up. Once they said they'd already
1: harvested them, I was like, Well, they're just letting them waste. And so we just went over and started eating the ones on the ground. You
0: but know, the guys told us, he said they leave trees like that close to major roads so people can grab some, so you can get some. Mm-hmm.
1: But it was a little iffy. We started going through the lot. Well, we're technically, trespassing. yeah, we
0: were like this.
1: Yeah, I'm looking around, <laughs> expecting someone to Waitin pull on up the rule <laughs> in any moment <laughs> to say, "Hey, get out of out from under my apple
0: tree." That guy we were with said, "Oh no, don't worry." But they 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 know people eat them. They, they leave trees for them.
2: But I thought I should, it was a really... setup. I thought it was a setup. So so my point is to to our context is the the rule they were going back to was basically one that said it was okay to do this. But now their answer was. Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? They took the one thing that meant nothing really with what they were relating it to, and came up with a new rule.
0: So, and look, and then since it was a rule that they had dreamed up, I mean, they're going to hold this thing till, till they die, right? I mean, they're not budging. Yeah, but I think the the
1: philosophical misunderstanding here is when you look back at what actually happened, going back to Moses. And we'll really see this when Jesus comes off the mountain, because you see a similarity here. Well, you remember when Moses went up to the mountain and got, you know, the Ten Commandments or whatever, and came down, and what what they have twelve tribes, and then he delivers, you know, the Word of God. Well, Jesus goes up on a mountain. He he's fixing to, which is what they call the Sermon on the Mount, which is Luke's going to give. His version of that. Sermon on the plane. Yeah, even though it's, yeah, the scholars disagree on whether this is the actual same event. But it do, it doesn't matter. You, yeah. You'll you see the principles are the same. But, and I do think Jesus is fulfilling that in a way because he goes up to the mountain, he prays, you know, he comes down and he chooses his 12 apostles. And then he delivers the word of God, and so that that has to be more than a coincidence. There has to be some kind of uh, symbolic reasoning here. And so, what well, it got me to thinking, without going through an Old Testament history, which you know a lot better than I do, Al, but I think what what the teachers of the law failed to realize is when you go back. So God delivers the Israelites, and he. Because they were enslaved by the Egyptians, well, he just did that, and he set them free, and then he gives them the law. And so, but what happened is, and, and I think that was a precedent from what would later come. I mean, the reason. So you say, well, why? Why should? Because the more we talk, people say, well, y'all don't even believe that we're supposed to keep the law, and because we're always saying. Well, this is not based on your law-keeping abilities, because if it was based on that, we would all be doomed, because no one's perfect. But it's more the reasoning. God delivered them and gave them a law. Why? Because he had he wanted a people, and he gave them common-sense things that would help them as his people. So then they took the law, expanded it, yep. and out of that came 39 activities that you could not do on the Sabbath. And one of them was pick heads of grain in a field in any capacity. And you were hungry. Right. So what my point is these the people giving Jesus all the trouble, they they're they're taking something that was given and they're they're missing the point that there is a God who had a reason. For doing this. And the motivation for that was he did deliver them, not because they kept the law. He just delivered them. Yeah. And then he gave them a law. And then they're like, well, if you don't keep this law flawlessly, you're you're out. Well, thus the result was everybody is gonna be out. But they, you know, they yeah. except them. Right. So it, it caused problems and it still does today, because if you think by somehow you're gonna keep the law and win God's approval, that is a trap from the other side. It's not from God, because he never supports that in any way. Right. He's the one providing the salvation and the deliverance.
2: Right. When, in essence, uh, let's take another break. So, Jace, um, as a gun owner, uh, cleaning your weapon, that would be how the um, place of importance, wouldn't you say, as a gun owner? Yeah. A clean it's weapon. It's a responsible thing to
1: do. The gun must function,
2: or what are we doing? Some of that is safety, but then some of that is just efficiency, right? So you can have a weapon that fires. And so we hunt a lot down here in rainy, muddy situations. And so we're constantly need to make sure our guns are clean, the gun barrel especially. I've had some issues when I was a youngster at not understanding that. I've had to use my gun as a paddle before. There you go. So that. You must clean it after that. Some people have used it as a crutch. You need to make sure it's unloaded if that happens, if you have injuries. Uh, Our friends at Barrel Buddy uh, came up with a a technique to be able to make sure uh, that your barrel stays clean. Uh, Their saying is clean your gun without the grunge. So they make these white polymers, and and they fit any. We have several representatives, if you're watching the uh, ad, um, that will do rifles or pistols, all gauges of shotguns. And so these polymers make sure that you don't leave anything behind. Uh, you can understand that scrubs and cleans the particulates and then absorbs any remaining residue and buffs the interior surface clean. So great product made by a great company, great Christian guys that we really appreciate. So I want you to check them out. Make sure you got some clean guns, uh, whether you're at the rifle range or hunting. BarrelBuddy.com is where you go to check them out. B-A-R-R-E-L Buddy. Dot com check them out. In essence Jesus, that's what he does because Jesus could have responded to them the same way I did by look by telling them, oh <laughs> you're ignorant. you don't even you're misquoting that law to begin. I mean he could have went the legal route. instead he gives them an example, an example from 1 Samuel 21 of David, when he was on the run from Saul and they wound up going in and eating consecrated bread, which is not, they weren't supposed to, I mean, that was set aside for the priest because he was hungry and he was on a greater mission. Then he comes out of that example by saying that Jesus said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. So to Jason's point, what Jesus said is, well, that's all well and good. He gives them an example. And he says, but I'm greater than the Sabbath. Anyway, it was my idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we're going. That's, that was his trump card. Yeah. It was a, yeah. I'm Lord of the Sabbath. That's so. why
1: I brought up the Hebrews three and four. I mean, it's the motive. God looks at the heart. He knows the heart. He gave them the law because he wanted people. And so, as you understand the deliverance that God provides, especially in Jesus, well, now you have a reason to try to do what's right. But there's grace and forgiveness. And he knows the heart, but it's not the other way around. Cause most people, when they say, well, I gotta get my life right. And they and they say, well, what does that mean? Well, they try to do better or get back in church. You use these little phrases, you know. I need or, to study more. Well, I need to study more. And uh, now you, you need to realize who's doing the delivering here and be so humbled by it that it produces just this gratitude yep. and that you've been delivered. And uh, so it, that, that's the the order gets this wrong,
0: and I think that's what's causing the argument. And he's there at the right hand of God to forgive them of their mistakes. All
1: right, so he comes up with Constant
0: this. monitoring. Yes, right. Yeah. He's there, so he said, "Go, I'm, I'm I, after that stunt, I'm, I'm gone, I'm dead, I, I'm, I can't come back." He said, "Hey, hey, hey, get up, get up, I'm here to keep you from sinning. I'm not counting your sins against you." Law is, you break it, you die. With grace, what I'm giving you, you make mistakes. I'll encourage you to get up and keep going. We all make mistakes, all you people. See what I'm saying? It's almost yeah. like
2: Dad, that, Je- that Jesus knew that 2,000 years after he left, we'd still be struggling with law. <laughs> That's right, and so that's why he's in heaven saying, "I got this. If you'll just
0: trust in me." It ain't law; it's 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 your own. Well,
2: he, he's going to expound on the list
0: of rules and exactly. rules, rules, rules.
1: My my theory, as I've read this, as we get when we get to Luke six seventeen, which is which is imminent through really about thirty, or or you know, to the rest of the chapter. The
2: rest of the chapter.
1: You're gonna see what this rest, what you what you get to rest from, because for a long time I never really understood that verse where it's when Jesus said, you know, "Come to me and I'll give you rest." You who are weary and burdened. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, what does that mean? Am I am I saying? I'd heard many theories about it, but the more I read this, the more I that's why I said I kind of had a light bulb moment. So he tells them, because they had asked him, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? You're claiming to be some kind of Messiah, religious guru, and you're doing what is, you're breaking the law. You're not su- supporting the law. And then he comes back, gives an illustration of David eating the sacred uh, consecrated bread because they were hungry. And so, and he gave some to his companions. He aided and abetted the other people in this sacrilege. And so Jesus said, Bread feast. Yeah. The reason is the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. I am positive that did not go well. No. Mm -hmm. Now, I know to us, that doesn't really mean a whole lot because we're not looking at the Sabbath as a law that we must keep to have this approval of God. But to them, this was just crazy. So then he doubles down. On another Sabbath, he went into a synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, which shows you their
2: heart. And it shows you that's going back to that first instance. That's why he's saying that. In other words, ever since then, they've been thinking, we got to get this guy. They
1: put him in a box and said, this guy's crazy. That's right. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath.
2: So you can tell they're hung up on this issue. It's an issue for them, and they're hung up on it.
1: And I have the same problem with people today who are watching other Christians closely to see if there's anything that they deem as unacceptable, you know— because you got to always remember, and I love this, the the phraseology in Galatians 5.19. I think you read it on the last podcast, Phil. But the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. It's not something, we're not called to be policemen where we have to read the tea leaves and get into the weeds and figure out if you're doing it. The acts of the sinful nature are pretty obvious Yeah, if someone's claiming to be in Jesus.
0: That's right. If you're being honest, that's true. So, plus in, the fruit of the spirit. It's also love, joy, peace, patience, patience kindness, yeah. goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. You say that's obvious, too. <laughs> you,
1: well, you right, see what I'm saying, we right. get into this same argument. We bring people to the Lord, and, and look, they just came out of the world. And so, I mean, let's say you baptize a couple of girls and they just came out of the world, and then they wear something immodest to their first Sunday worship. Well, to me, I'm looking at that like, well they're a new babe in Christ and they don't understand that's right. That that we, we, we're changing from the inside out. You you no longer are gonna use that as a weapon for all kinds of behavior,
2: you know. And here's another little but, news flash. It's probably all that's in the closet at this point. Well, exactly. We haven't taught her to any better.
1: So my point is this guy, you know, sitting on the back row or whatever, saying, "No, wait just a doggone minute here. So, because, I mean, if you, you come to...
2: Somebody's got to do something about the come,
1: dress around here. If you come to the church you preach at every Sunday, you're going to have several people in the audience that are going to do probably offendable things because mm-hmm. they're... There's constantly people coming to Christ. Yep, that's You have new. If
2: it, oh, if it's a new, you know, new church style thing like you see in the Bible, which our atmosphere is similar to that, where people are in from the world every week. I mean, you're going to see that. You're
0: going to see people. It, it's that, a sign that morning, the church is the growing. Morning, this morning, the guy came up to me and said, "I was baptized about eight, seven or eight years old," and he said, "I have lived a hellish lifestyle." What do you think? I said, I think you need to put Jesus as Lord, confess him as Lord, and do that again. I said, you were mighty young at eight, seven, eight years old. I said, if I were you, I'd obey the gospel and let's let's move. He said, let's do it. I said, he said, that's why I came here. I said, let's do it. So right or wrong, I just thought he needed to understand that heaven's not full of... I mean, hell's not full of eight-year-olds, seven, eight-year-olds.
2: Yeah, you got to have a sense of understanding what it's about.
1: So we're to verse 8 of 6. It says, but Jesus knew what they were thinking, said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up, stand in front of everyone. So he got up, stood there. Jesus said, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? So interesting two questions. Yep. I mean you would think everyone would say well to do good and to save life. He looked around at them and then said it the seemed man, like nobody answered. <laughs> nobody said a word. <laughs> well, you can't you can't say well, do good and save them because you're actually doing something then you good encourage them
2: to do it. That can't right.
1: encourage that. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't want to <laughs> destroy anybody, and we sure don't want to do evil. It's just so weird that a simple question like that stops religious people in their tracks because they have what they think to be right, and here they are arguing with God himself. Mm. <laughs> they're arguing. They're saying, we don't believe you.
2: It reminds me of the modern word for that now, Jason, when you'll see somebody in a congressional hearing, they'll say, uh, can you tell us, sir, what a woman is? Yeah. He's like, I have no comment on that. I can't, know." Or I'm I not mean, sure. that seemed like a pretty <laughs> simple question. Well, actually, hardly, to say, I'm not sure at this point. <laughs> That's right. Let's take another break. And we're
1: going to Get into some of those things. but mm-hmm. So then Jesus said, all right, he asked the question. He looked around, and he said, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. And then the crowd cheered, and the spirit, <laughs> no, I made that up. They were furious, which is really sad at that moment, and you got to really realize in this moment what the law was intended to do who gave the law, who fulfilled the law, and the reason we try to keep the law. Yeah. Because there is a—we re- try to do right things, and but it's based on
2: his power and not our ability to pull it off. But didn't, didn't that answer, didn't that reaction sort of answer the question? They really didn't care about the guy in the hand. They were much more concerned about their issues on the Sabbath. I mean—
1: I mean, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around because you would think a miracle would stop and end all arguments, but this is one of the reasons that I tell you the people who are in pursuit of miracles over the pursuit of Jesus, I think, are going down the wrong road.
2: Yeah. And, and this is a classic example. This gives me of, a sermon title: "The Miracle That Made That Made Men Furious." I mean, that, that he did be... a miracle and it made them mad. <laughs> it
1: made them mad. That should never happen. But you can't miss the point. The point wasn't so much the miracle as in he who was doing the miracle. He was saying I I'm the, Which was I his wrote point. the law. The That's only
0: it. one that uh, understood it and was so grateful was was the person who was
1: healed. But you got to remember when he when I took it back to Genesis and said Jesus it, I didn't just make that up. You remember when Genesis In chapter one, where it says, and God said, let us make man in our image. What is that? 26. Mm -hmm. This is 126. Yep. So, and John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. Word was with God. Word was God. Nothing that has been made was made without Jesus. John 1, 2, and 3. So he he created the Sabbath, the rest. It's all based on what God did on the Sabbath day. And it's simple common sense when you look at it practically. I mean you when you get your life in order, you work, you have this, and take some rest and you could even make the analogy that most people only preach of here that you should have a day of rest, even in your work just it's it's very uh, it refreshes you right it replenishes you. and my point is, well he fast forward to that concept here and refreshed and replenished a person who was probably having trouble working because his hand is broken, and he fixes it. So you would think, okay, well, now this guy is going to be a better worker yeah. in, in a physical He's going to need a Sabbath now. He didn't just choose this guy at random. What do you do with your hand? you got a hand that won't work. Well, you're going to have a hard time working. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so he heals the guy so he can now work. And be, you know, a productive member of society. And they're like, oh, no, absolutely not. You picked the wrong day. (laughs) You're like, what? And he's like, I created that day. This was my idea. So you get it more clearly when you read, like when we get to Luke 10, he's going to do the same thing. And he just makes a, a little statement. Because, you know, he sends out the 72, and they, they all come back, and they're all excited that they can do miracles. And he said, don't get excited about that. And, and he eventually says, be excited because your names are written in the book of life. But right before that, he makes an interesting statement. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Well, when you stop and think about somebody saying that, what, what do you say? You saw Satan fall. Satan's been around. Since the beginning of the creation, yeah, who, he's like, "Yeah, I know. I saw it happen." <laughs> so that's why. Well, we're okay with reading that, and but on this, we're like, "It. We're not. We're not making that same leap." He participated in the rest of God on the Sabbath day after the creation. This this fellow who's now speaking yeah. as a human, and so that's the part that they weren't wrapping their head around. And he proved it by showing you that he controls the atoms and the molecules. And in the end, it's, it's almost ironic. And he's almost being, uh, not sarcastic, but it's almost funny that he's picking a guy who he can now work with his hand. Yeah, I mean, I was just like, how do you make this up? <laughs> I mean, if you were just creating a story outside of the Holy Spirit, impossible. Too many details. It's
2: almost like he looks around <laughs> and his disciples and said, "Hold my fermented grape juice and watch this. I mean, watch what I'm fixing to do right here." Exactly. I mean, how
1: Luke is going back and making all these things work that happen in Genesis. It's just really mind blowing once you look at the implications of what he's saying. Let's take our last break. So they were furious,
2: began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Well, I guarantee you Think what about they... that. Just, they planned to discuss what they were going to do with Jesus. Like they had, oh, we're finishing a, we're finishing a line, this out. They're it's... not going to worship him. <laughs> They're not talking about that. They're not... No. <laughs> So, like, they had the answers of what to do
1: with it. And I'm not throwing rocks at the Pharisees, because, look, I really... I'm throwing rocks at the Pharisees. Well, I really understand their dilemma. They're like, well, wait a minute. The law is all they've ever known. It was a threat. It was a major threat. And they were like, this is not making sense. Where, So I'm understanding what led to this, but at some point, you have to recognize what everybody else does in the modern day when it comes to when you... Meet Jesus. When you read about Jesus, you gotta say to yourself, you know, maybe I've gotten life wrong here. Yeah. Maybe I've gotten religion wrong. Let's back to your t shirt, Jason. I could be wrong. I, well, you have to say that. You have to lead with it. Because they had to at some point say, We know what we think is right, but the guy's healing hands
0: here. They were they That's were right. looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But they were looking for a reason to do this. Yeah. When when we think we've got him on a mistake, we'll move on him. Right. Well,
1: but I'm saying I was giving them some slack just because I realized he's doing things that they deem unlawful. And the way it looks is not lining up with what they're used to. But he, don't you he, think, you He Jake, just went to a—I t- mean, Al— I think these people made up their minds when there's a big party going on over at the tax collectors and the centers and he's there. They would never they wouldn't be caught dead there. I mean, you see what I mean? But so don't they you, made up their mind and, and But they, don't you and,
2: think part of this, Jace, was just their own arrogance that, that when they first heard about what was going on, it started with John the Baptist and they're kind of questioning, they start checking him out, then all of a sudden this guy shows up. With these things, and even though they can't explain what he's doing, don't you think part of it is like you know, if he was the real deal, why didn't he come to us? Yeah, first, we're the leaders here. We're the ones that you know people come to. I mean, don't you think it was part of that arrogance that got me? Had to, but he
1: wasn't from the right town. He didn't go to the right school, and he was only thirty years old.
2: And he didn't go to the right people. He didn't clear it with him. He wasn't.
1: Yeah, he wasn't. And and now he's invited you know, Gentiles into this world. What the, There's some things we can forgive, but not that, which is where we're headed. So he picks the 12 apostles. One of those days, Jesus went on out to a mountainside, which is the analogy I was drawing with Moses going up to Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. to pray and spent the night praying to God. This is where the concept of all night prayer sessions <laughs> originated, which yeah. I've been involved in a few of those. When morning came, he called his disciples and chose 12, whom he also designated apostles. So Simon, who he named Peter, the brother of his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor, which we could spend a lot of time talking about why he picked Judas knowing that he would portray him and become a traitor. Which is
2: interesting that Luke would phrase it that way, who became a traitor, sort of given the implication that maybe in the beginning he wasn't always who he would wind up being, that there was a transformation. I did think it was interesting, Jace, because you know, Luke just condenses that whole down to that, because he's already talked about the, how he called Peter. So the calling of these men we know happened over a series of days, and you know he would go into their world. But, but Luke does condense it to the point of saying before he chose anybody, he spent a whole night in prayer with the Father, which uh, really should be a great life lesson for any of us. When you're facing a major decision that you're going to do, I mean some serious time with the Almighty is probably the exactly. best way to lead into that. You know, and so and Philippians, you know, Paul in his letter to the Philippians said he emptied himself.
1: He became not nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, uh, being made in human likeness. So, and he went through the same process, even that we experienced, you know, when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came on him. Mm-hmm. He starts his ministry. But he's just not doing things that are winning the approval of the old administration, which is why I brought up the analogy about it. it's like a coach coming in. And, and he just made this analogy about pouring new wine into old wineskins. It won't work. He he's 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 come to revolutionize the way God's people are set up. And they're not getting it. That's why it's no accident that he just made that analogy before we got to the Sabbath who he's hanging out the picking of the 12 apostles cuz who did he pick? I mean some fishermen, a tax collector.
2: Yeah. Really? A zealot who who would have been someone that was on a, some kind of list that you wouldn't have wanted to associate with. I mean that guy is no good. This
1: this been Judas who, you know, he greedy in the, and who would later even betray. Him. Right. So there's a message in there somewhere. So Before we get to the blessings and the woes, which we'll maybe have to spend two podcasts on, I do want to read just the first paragraph there. So he he comes down with them and stood, this is verse 17, and stood on a level place, which is where it got the name, the Sermon on the Plain. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, Jerusalem, and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, which is... Doesn't seem that interesting, but we, we, that brings in the Gentile world. right? So Jews and Gentiles who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. So his presence and his power is evident, I mean, just by what we're reading here. Those troubled by evil spirits, which we talked about a few podcasts ago, were cured. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him. And healing them all.
0: I mean, healing them all. It's amazing.
1: It's amazing. I mean, he was bringing in a new concept. Of you would what think it, that would do it. A new concept of what the community of God's people would be. This is the new kingdom. This is the new administration. Well, he completely turns it where people get the phrase, the upside down kingdom is from the words that he's fixed to say to his disciples. And I'm going to have to admit, when you first read them, your initial reaction is, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Everything you think defines success on this earth, everything that the world thinks, and even people in church buildings, he's fixed to say, don't go after that. (laughs) I mean, Really, if you want to know why the world finds Jesus' teaching so horrifying and detestable, these next words that he speaks, people are like, that's the craziest thing I have ever heard. I would never do that. This is crazy. And so that's really what just fueled the flame for the people. That were out to get him because they were like, This is this is the exact opposite of what we thought the Messiah, the King of Kings, would be. So that's their little cliffhanger. And because I want you to read it and meditate on it, because I've been studying this about three weeks, and I keep reading. I was like, Man, are you sure about this, Lord? <laughs> really? <laughs> this is the key to success? Right. The exact
2: opposite thing that everyone says. Well, and even even Luke's format of teaching it, and we'll talk about this more when we dive into it, whether it was a compilation of his teachings or just a different variant of what Matthew did in Matthew 5 through 7, the idea was this uh, uh, antithetical format. There's a Zach word for you, Jess. There's your word of the day. Well, let's see what that means. Antithetical means you're going to present both sides. And so when he gives you the four blessings, he gives you four woes that go right along with it. So it's really interesting because he shows you both sides of the coin when he's making this point, uh, Luke is, when he when he talks about Jesus' word. So I think just in that teaching alone, you're right. It's not. Well, how so- many sermons have you heard on this? Few. None. <laughs> I've never heard of one.
1: <laughs> People don't want to get into this because no. they're like, is that in the Bible? So I know we've made a big deal of it, but it it, it is. It it really will just blow your mind. But when you really wrap your head around it, and that's why we're spending so much detail and time leading up to it, when you put this in perspective, he really, this is what he gives you rest from.
2: That's it.
1: This trying to be something you're not and achieve all this wealth and recognition in a worldly way, which is all temporary, which is all doomed to fail. It's not really going to work. He gives you rest from having to pursue all that.
2: Yeah, and it and it and his culture had a, a specific meaning that still applies in our culture, which we'll get to when we get there. So we're out of time uh, for this podcast. If you want to follow us over to overtime, we're going to set this up a little bit more before we get into our next a podcast into Luke six. So that's blaze slash unashamed is where we'll talk a little bit more in setting up this, um, sermon on the plane or the mountain. Thanks for listening to the unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes and don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else,